You are listening to the Father's House podcast located in Owensboro, Kentucky. For more information, visit thefathershouseky.com. Thank you. <laughs> good morning, everyone. Um, it is so good to see you. If you are wondering, I don't think I have an accent. I think everyone else does. I was driving down to, from Chicago down to, to Kentucky, and I hit this one point, and I felt like my accent started to change a little bit too. It started drawing a little. Anyway, it's so good to see you. I went on a hike yesterday with Bubba and Uncle Mike here. Yeah? <laughs> it was really entertaining. In the sticks of Kentucky, is that how I say it? Yeah, it was amazing. I had so much fun. Um, I, South Africans, we love adventure and exploring nature. So I would like, I was looking for snakes and bugs and critters and um, lots of fun. Anyway, and ticks. I did not anticipate finding a tick on us, but anyway, we did. Um, let's pray. Can we do that? God is moving so much today. He is, yeah, He's moving, He's touching hearts, He's healing hearts and lives. And he's not done with us yet. Isn't that so cool? God is not done with you. He is not done with me. He is not done with Owensboro. He is not done with Kentucky. He is not done with the United States. He is still moving. He is still working. So God, we just thank you for your move. We thank you, Jesus, that you are still moving. And God, right now, I thank you that you are going to arrest our hearts, that we will not be able to move until you are done working on the inside of us. Just say this with me. Say, Holy Spirit. Let's try that again. Say, Holy Spirit. I give you permission to rearrange the furniture of my heart. In the name of Jesus, amen. That's so good. God is so good. Guys, I have got some amazing testimonies to tell you, amazing stories. But today, I really wanted to talk to you about a really um, tender topic. (laughs) Something that's really dear to my heart. Um, And when I was growing up in South Africa... Um, I was born in a time called apartheid, basically directly translated, it, it means a time apart, apartheid. And the previous government separated our people um, into different colors and ethnic groups. So our whole country was divided drastically where the 10% forced the 90% into three ghettos. In case you didn't know, um, I forgot its name right now. Anyway, I forgot their names. That's good testimony. I forgot the ghettos' names. Hallelujah. Anyway. Um, I'm wondering if it's a country that I'm thinking in my mind or if it's actually, oh, whatever. But the government divided us into three different places. And I remember, I remember the day that we, we rode up to the voting 
booth when we finally decided, uh, the country decided to have equal elections. And I remember my mother looking at my dad and she said, Anthony, who should I vote for? Because that was the first time women were allowed to vote in our country too. Yeah, I remember that day. I remember when um, my dad um, proudly put the, South the new South African sticker on our dashboard so that we could be reminded of how God had set our nation free. In fact, our song that we sing, our national anthem, is Ngosi Sikaleli, which means, thank you, God. Opening line, we honor God and for the freedom that he brought our country. I did that. Um, and, um, yeah, so I remember. I also remember when we, uh, uh, leaders of the church, they decided to adopt, adopt interracially for the first time, straight after apartheid, because obviously, as you can tell, my family was against it, and our church was against it, and um, a family in our church decided to adopt a baby girl um, she was a different color <laughs> than they were. Uh, they had two older children, uh, and they decided to adopt this little girl, which was extremely frowned upon by the white community. Extremely. I don't think you understand how hard it was for them, how they got ridiculed and teased and um, mocked. Maybe it isn't me. Is it me? No. How they got teased and ostracized and whatever. And they, they adopted this little girl and she had full-blown HIV AIDS. And I don't know, maybe you weren't, some of you were around for this, but remember when HIV AIDS came, everyone was extremely afraid of it. Do you remember that? I remember it. So the fact that Two cases, a white family adopted a black baby. Oh my goodness. Plus, that baby had HIV AIDS. Nobody wanted to come anywhere near their family, except for our church, of course. And they signed the documents, the legal paperwork, that this little girl was officially theirs, which was illegal in our country two years prior. They signed the documents. And as soon as they signed the documents, this little girl who had no mother, no father, who was rejected, assist, uh, a result of a flawed system in our country, plus she had HIV AIDS, she was rejected, alone, hated, despised. But as soon as she signed the paper, as soon as they signed the paperwork, for her adoption, saying that she belonged to this family. She was completely clinically healed from HIV AIDS. Isn't God good? So today I want to talk about the lesson I learned when I was a little kid from the supernatural. The lesson I learned from the power of adoption. And how it can transform people's DNA and identity instantly. Through one act of adoption. Through signing the legal documents that that child was no longer an orphan. That she belonged to a mother and a father and a family. It changed her DNA. 
and completely healed her. Isn't that good? So today I want to talk about the power of adoption. And Shaka Baba, the Lord is so good. I just want to linger on that one. The power of adoption. In case you didn't know, Jesus didn't die on the cross so that we could come to church on a Sunday, pay tithes, sing nice songs, sit in a pew, get up and go home and have a delicious Sunday lunch. That's not what he died for. I enjoy it, personally. I love the bride of Christ, but the building is not the church. We are the church. So as soon as I step out that door, I'm still going to church. <laughs> okay, I'm going to start preaching on a different topic. Anyway, um, Karabashanda, um, there's something, there's two realities. How am I going to do this? I have no idea. I'm looking at my time. You know, I don't need to do anything. It's just the Holy Spirit. In Romans 8, it says, it's the Spirit of the Lord that makes us cry out, Abba, Father. Without the Holy Spirit, you would not know who your dad is. He is vitally important in your adoption process. He makes us cry out, Abba, Father. He is so vital to the outwalking of a normal Christian lifestyle. Why? So that you can be convicted of your sins? That's a benefit, yes. That you can um, operate in the gifts of the Spirit? That is a benefit of the Holy Spirit too, yes. But it's not the reason that Jesus sent His very essence to earth. The breath of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the personality of God, the dunamis power of God living in a church building, in a worship song on YouTube, living in us, the dwelling place of God. My dad always says, where is Jesus? Between two smelly armpits. <laughs> That's my dad joke for today. It comes from my dad, which is hilarious. And I want to talk to you about being known by God, being seen by God, and being loved by God. Stepping into a reality that does not make sense to your society and your world. It is so contrary to the, the natural, it's opposite, it's polar opposite. So on this side, I have somebody that is called a son or a daughter. Please forgive me if I do sonship and not include daughtership. It's very important to me because my daughters are very important and they will know who they are. Um, um, on this side of the cross is sonship and daughtership. On this side, sorry, not on the cross, on this side of the stage is somebody who operates with orphan mentality. I don't like giving Satan any more glory than he's stolen from us. So it's the orphan mindset, okay? It's actually called the orphan spirit in the Bible, but you know, whatever, I'm just going to ignore that one. Okay. 
I'm, I'm not joking. Like, seriously, he... Anyway. Okay. Seen, loved... Known, seen, loved by God. On this side of the, of the stage, we have a son who is known by God. He doesn't operate for, towards a relationship with God. He operates from a relationship with God. Because God knows me, He has strategically placed me in circumstances, situations, my job, my career, my family, my city. Because He knows that I will express Him the best in the circumstance. There's in fact no one else in the world who can express God's heart better than I can in this moment. Do you know why? Because I'm known by Him. He has given me this opportunity. Because I am known by God. You're not a mistake. Because God knows you. Psalms 139. Verse 1 through to 6. I'm just going to quote the verses instead of reading them. Please forgive me. Psalms 139 verse 16 says that I am... Sorry. This guy knows he's known by God. On this side of the stage is a man who is working for a relationship with God. And he's got a list of duties, laws, and rituals that he follows to please God. Everything he does is saying, oh, I'm wondering if I'm doing this right. What about if I offend God? What if I just step out and lives in fear constantly because he does not believe that he is known by God? In, in, in Psalms 139, it says, being seen by God. I love this verse. I am going to read this one. Psalms 139, verse 16, if you want to turn there with me. You don't have to. Uh, uh, Psalms 139 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, Psalms in the Bible, by the way. Verse 16, it says, You saw who you created me to be before I became me. Before I, I'd ever seen the light of day, the number of days you planned for me, you already recorded it in your book. I am seen by God. Well, one day my daughter, my daughter, her name, my firstborn, her name is Selah. She comes running down the stairs and she's dressed up in this little princess dress or dress, I, I don't know exactly, and I'm busy doing work, I'm on my phone, I'm busy doing something productive with my life and my time, and she comes down, and she just walks into the lounge, and she spins around, and she says, Dad, Dad, what do you think? And I look over at her, and I'm like, oh, that's beautiful, my girl, that's really nice, and I get busy, and she says, Dad, Dad, and instantly I realize that she doesn't want acknowledgement of her presence. She wants to be seen by her dad. So I put it down. Everything I'm doing loses its priority. And there is one priority in the room, and that is my daughter. As she walks in wearing a little dress. And do you know what I say to her? I drop my phone. I'm like, Sailor, you make that dress look beautiful. 
How did you do it? You are so beautiful, my girl. I love what you are wearing right now. And her whole face, her whole demeanor changes as her face lights up. And that's all she needed. She goes, (laughs) and just goes on with her day. God sees you. There is nothing, nothing more important than you are. Yes, you. Stop trying to be falsely humble and say, yeah, God loves the church. No, he loves you. He will stop everything to be with you. To see you, all of you. There is nothing about you. Nothing that frightens him, that distracts him, that makes or repulses him. There's nothing about you that repulses God. Nothing. Even your sin. Adam and Eve in the garden, they hid away from God. But what was God doing? Do you think he didn't know they sinned? What was he doing? He was in the garden looking for Adam and Eve. Where are you? Knowing fully well that they had sinned and messed up. But God still wanted to spend time with them. What good father, when their child goes and plays in the mud, says, Ew, get away from me, you dirty child. I never want to be with you again. You're always going to be dirty. What good father does that? When my children play in the mud, sometimes I join them. (laughs) We look for bugs and worms. I get dirty with them. I allow them to learn through experience. And then my, my three-year-old starts eating the mud. And then I get involved and be like, yo. <laughs> Simple, right? How come we have changed the heart of God to suit our failure? Making an excuse to why we will not go deeper with God. Anyway, God sees you. And I really feel like today there are some ladies here tonight who have never been seen by their earthly dads. And Father God says to you that he wants to see you just the way you are. He calls you beautiful. He calls you lovely. You are a delight. You make that dress look good, girl. In Psalms 139, 17 through to 18. I'm going to read it again. It's juicy. (laughs) Every single moment you are thinking of me. How precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. Oh God, your desires towards me are more than the grains of sand on every seashore. When I awake each morning, you are still with me. I am loved by God. You are loved. 
we downplay this so much. I don't deserve to be loved by God. All my flaws, my imperfections, my complicated personality and emotions, He loves me without any stipulations. This is the power of grace. We are loved by God. I, I, I was back in my early days when I was about 21 years old, not too long ago, but I was leading, I was leading a children's church or children's ministry with, um, with 300 and something kids. And I was the only leader. It was lots of fun. Children's ministry is incredible. Do you know that you can change a whole city through children's ministry? I'm just saying, you get one child saved, you get the whole family saved. In fact, if you, if you introduce, the stats are, if you introduce a child from young in worship, into worship, like you just give them a little tambourine to play on a Sunday, uh, the, the, the chances of them leaving their faith when they get older are far fewer. Actually, quite crazy. It's amazing. Um, and you can change a whole nation through children's church, just by the way. Uh, anyway, I was doing this whole thing with the Holy Spirit and, and encouraging kids to encounter the Holy Spirit and see visions. Because Jesus' first language is not English. I don't know if you know that, right? Mm. Um, his first language is um, pictures, feelings, emotions. He talks to you through visions. And yeah, so I was just encouraging. So I got all the kids to lay down and ask Jesus this question. Jesus, how much do you love me? And I, I did this very dangerous thing where I passed the microphone around. Don't do that unless you are wise and skilled knowing how, to, oh, I've got funny stories. Anyway, um, and I'm passing the microphone around and this is where I learned this lesson. And I give, I give the phone to this, uh, the phone, such a millennial. I give the, the microphone to this little girl and she is weeping like, like snot, tears, hair in her face. And I'm like, yeah, what's God doing to you? And as soon as I give her the microphone, I'm like, I shouldn't have done that. And she's like, I see. This girl has never read the Bible before. She comes from a school that is so wealthy that her parents fly in from 12 hours away on a helicopter and land down over the weekend to come and watch her play sports and then fly home. Rich. Yaz, this girl that's never read the Bible before, um, probably eight years old, nine years old, she is weeping in the presence of Jesus. And I'm like, what is he doing? What is God saying to you? What do you see? And she says, I see, um, I'm standing on the seashore. And Jesus is walking away from me. And she just starts crying. I'm like, uh-oh. How am I going to turn this one around? Right? And then I'm like, well, what is he saying? What did he say when, he asked you, when you asked him that question? And she says, all I see is, his, all I hear is his voice. And his voice says to me, look at the sand. So she looks at the sand, and then Jesus comes and picks up one granule of sand and says, my girl, this little granule of sand is how much you can comprehend my love for you. 
And as soon as he said that, he dropped the sand onto the beach, and she saw all the beaches of the whole world. And Jesus said to her, my girl, this is how much I love you. (laughs) A nine-year-old girl can preach better than I can just through one encounter with Jesus. You are loved by God. And today there is a grace that God wants to pour out on you. This grace is to change nations, to change cities, to change regions just for our dad. There are 11 traits. You guys ready for this? I would love it if you wrote this down or get your phone out and open up in notes. There's 11 traits of being an orphan. 11. You ready for this? Number one, the orphan operates out of insecurity. (laughs) Always questioning other people's motives. Oh, I shouldn't sing on stage. What if people think I'm a bad singer? Or I shouldn't go and get that new job because what if I'm not good enough? Insecurity. What if my friends don't like me? What if, what if, what if? An orphan, point number two, an orphan is jealous of the success of his brothers and sisters. I see this in churches all the time. Someone gets promoted in church. Why didn't you think of me? I'm good. I'm actually better than they are. Yeah, but you're not doing it, dude. They're doing it. So be quiet. Somebody came up to me and they said, you're really bad at sozo ministry. I'm like, I am? Okay, why am I bad? And they start listing all the things that I do wrong. And I look at them and I say, my friend... You have insulted me in so many levels. But you know what? I'm the one in the position. I've been doing this since 2009. I've seen more people saved, healed, delivered, and set free than you have. When you are ready to do what I do and pay the price it takes to get you, maybe I'll listen. Like, don't, anyway, I'm a son. Yeah, I am bad at some things. Administration, oh, I am so bad. (laughs) I've got a team of five working with me to help me. (laughs) It's really bad. I've got like 50 messages just from the last two days on on text. I'm like, goodbye. (laughs) I'll open it and not reply. (laughs) If you need me, call me. (laughs) Maybe I'll answer. (laughs) I know my flaws. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 and 10, I think it is. It says, God's grace is sufficient. No, that's not that verse. What does it say again? I celebrate my weaknesses because my weaknesses are... Is strength. Yes, that one. Told you I've got weaknesses. (laughs) Number three. The orphan serves God to earn the Father's love. Are you working from a relationship with God or are you striving for a relationship with God? 
the orphan, number four, the orphan tries, tries to medicate his deep, (laughs) he tries to medicate his deep alienation through physical stimulation. Can I say that again? It's got lots of juice and power. An orphan tries to self-medicate their deep alienation through physical stimulation. Pornography, alcoholism, drugs, the list goes on, codependency. The orphan, number five, the orphan is driven by the need for success. I've got to be better. I've got to do better. I've got to say the right thing. I've got to succeed. I want people to see how I succeed in life so that I can have some kind of significance because deep down inside, I feel like I am not significant. The orphan, number six, uses people as objects to fulfill their goals. Every single person around an orphan is someone that they can use, manipulate, and step on to get more success, to make it in life. The orphan uses, oh, I said that already. Number seven, the orphan repels their children. Well, that one's a deep one. The orphan has issues with anger and fits of rage. The orphan, number nine, is always in competition with others. I see this so much in churches as well. I've experienced this to me, where somebody wants to be better than me. They're in competition. I'm like, dude, like, I can't do what you do. I don't want anyone to try. Like, seriously, I love what you do because I can't do it. I want you to be a better person than me because I can't do what you do. I want you to be better than me. Anyway, orphans say the opposite. What number am I on? Number 10, right? Anyway, just checking if you're following on. (laughs) The orphan has a lack of self-esteem. I'm not good enough. Number 11, the orphan receives their primary identity through material possessions, their physical appearance, and their activities that they do. Oh, I had a little boy. Well, he's still, he's still in my, my, my care. His name is Aman. Can you say that? Amani, do you? Sky, Brenna, I don't know if you guys are yeah, but do you, do you remember Amani? You do, yeah, um, And their mother, Brenna remembers their mother very, very well. Anyway, this boy, he, uh, there was two boys. It's Kamani and Iviwe. Iviwe was the most obnoxious child I've ever known. Oh, my word. You try and work, and he's climbing all over you, swearing, saying swear words, trying to get a reaction, doing naughty things. I'm like, Iviwe, don't dig up the plant. He digs up the plant. I'm like, Lord Jesus. But the thing about Eviwe is that he pressed in for a relationship with me. Wherever I went, even though he was really obnoxious, he was holding my hand. He was saying, Tata, let's go do this. Let's go do this. Tata, let's do this. And he pressed into a relationship with me. And through the years, he got better, less obnoxious. Because he was testing to see if I would reject him. And I never did even though he was really irritating sometimes. 
embarrassingly so. I try to preach, Eviwe is at my feet. I'm trying to pray for the sick, Eviwe is right there, busy disrupting the whole thing. The Holy Spirit is falling, somebody's getting out of a wheelchair, Eviwe is picking his nose and swearing. Guess what? God still moved. The lady still got out of the wheelchair because he's not intimidated by insecure children that are busy discovering their identity. And I loved and I loved and I loved and I loved to the point where his mother died and his father was in prison because he was a notorious bad gangster. And the whole village says he needs to go to his dad. And live with me. But Qamani was jealous. Angry boy. I would walk with Iviwe. My love is the same. I would walk with Iviwe and, and Qamani, he, every Friday night on, on TV, they used to play J- Jackie Chan and all those ninja movies. Right? So here comes Qamani running full force towards Iviwe and he does that that you know that Judah that, that flying kick right across and hits Iviwe and he's back and Iviwe goes I was so angry I was like don't touch my boy how dare you touch my boy don't touch him so angry and instantly I realized in that moment that Klamani is crying out for a dad and I, I, I don't know, I had to adjust my fathership towards him. And there's some people today that are crying out for a father. Because they've never experienced a good father. And in doing so, you're kicking and you're fighting your way for love. And not experiencing it. There is another little boy in our community... And I totally forget his name. Anyway, I was hoping Scar would remember or help me remember. Um, <laughs> is Scar here? I think he might have taken his kids out. Anyway, <laughs> this little boy, he came, he came from out of the community and he, some kind of sexual trauma, bad sexual trauma that happened in his family. And every day in school, he would have fits of rage to the point where he would punch, kick, pull kids' hairs out, just really, really violent. And, um, and I was tried everything for months, and nothing was working. Nothing was working. And um, one day God said to me, Joshua, just love him. And I picked this boy up. I got Hlua. No, no, I don't know what I can't remember his name. I pick him, him, him up and I put him in my arms in the middle of his temper tantrum. Um, and as I, I wrap my arms around him, he, he's like taking his nails and he's digging his nails into my back, biting me all over the place, just fighting. I did that for months and months every day. This kid would fight me. He did not want to be loved by a dad. And I knew why. I knew why. And one day, it just broke. While I'm holding him, while he's biting me, scratching me, fighting me, all I'm doing is praying in tongues. And I'm saying in closer, I say to my boy, I said, 
I love you, my son. As he's biting me, scratching me. I love you, my son. I love you, my son. It's okay. I've got you. You safe. I love you, my son. And it took a couple of months for that orphan spirit to break to the point where one day he was in the middle of a rage and he wraps his arms around me and just starts to weep in my arms as the realization that no matter what he does, the father will still love him. That was, I've got a photo of, of Sky holding this little boy. I forget his name. Sky, if you remember. But in our worship times, the Holy Spirit would fall so heavy with our children on the rubbish dump that we would just sit there weeping as the Holy Spirit would heal them from trauma. And there's a photo, I think, I think Lindo Kuchle was in your hands, but that little boy was, I can't remember his name, it starts with an A, I'm going to like be driving home and then I'll remember. Angalaka, there we go, I told you he would remember. Angalaka, that's a very hard name to forget, right? <laughs> Angalaka, and I feel like I'm saying it with an American accent too. Anyway, um, and the Holy Spirit fell and I just watched as the Holy Spirit would heal him from trauma. In Romans 8, verse 15 to 16, it says that the Spirit of the Lord makes us cry out, Abba, Father. There's a moment today where God wants to take orphan mentality that has been plaguing the bride of Christ for years. And he wants to pour his Spirit out into our hearts so that we can cry out, Abba, Father, my dad. No God, not by a king, by a lord, by um, I, I, like servanthood. A slave knows God as a lord, as a king. But a slave will never know God as a father. Never. In the South, you guys get this revelation a lot more than most places. But a son will work harder than a slave will. Because a son knows that whatever he is doing, he is expanding his inheritance. Everything I do, I will inherit. One day it's mine and yours. But I'm a son right now, so I'm just going to have fun in this identity for a little bit longer. Everything I do, when I smile at the tiller, when I greet my enemy, when I look for ways to bless people that hate me, I am being a son. I'm expanding God's kingdom, my inheritance. A little bit, by a little bit, by a little bit. Oh, look, I just sneaked up there. When I respond with love instead of judgment, I'm being like my dad. So, you believe differently to me. Hmm, you are wrong. No, man, I love you so much. Yeah, we believe different things, but you know what? Jesus still loves you. Let me prophesy life into you and bless you. 
And there's so many things in this world that we can stand up and fight for. But love is our pow- most powerful tool. Love. When people are hating us, will we respond with love? Not our love, because our love is finite. The Father's love is powerful. It's transforming. With Angelica, when I was holding him and he's busy scratching me, did I go, ow, you biting me, you disgusting. When was the last time you brushed your teeth? Did I respond like that? I was like, oh, 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 oh. I love you, Angelica. I love you, my boy. I love you. I know you've had sexual trauma. I know your dad has molested you. That's why you respond so hatefully towards us. But I love you. I love you. Yeah, it hurts. Yeah, I love you. I choose to love you. In fact, what ways can I show you God's love? Can I bake you a meal when you're sick? Can I come and visit you when you're in hospital? Can I give you my favorite jacket? The one day I'm standing in, I was in St. Louis in a coffee shop, delicious, and somebody had just given me this amazing jacket, and I go to the, like, like just, I drove to the coffee shop wearing the jacket for the first time, and it was nice, it was red, it was North Face, I think it was, I was really happy, I was like, thank you, Jesus. Rock up to the coffee shop, and this homosexual man, he says, wow, you have a nice jacket, and I'm like, yeah, it's great, right? Do you want it? And he's like, yeah, I've been saving up for North Face for, for such a long time, just not being able to get it. I'm like, cool, try it on. Hand it over. This man tries it on. And he's like, fits him perfectly, probably better than I did. And I'm like, it's yours. And I turn around and I walk away with my cup of coffee. And his face is just... What just happened? Every single person in the whole room was watching as I preached the gospel in one of the most powerful ways. He didn't know the sacrifice that it cost me. I've never told anyone this story, by the way. And I told the person that I know that saw it not to tell anyone either. I don't want to brag about my generosity. (laughs) But I know in that moment... That man's life was changed. You know, every single time I go back to that coffee shop, I see him. His face lights up when he sees me. Not because I've got ulterior motives to get him saved. I don't know if I'm ever going to see him again. I didn't even say, hey, Jesus, God bless you. I just said, I love you, buddy. Turned around and walked away. Something powerful about love. There's 11 traits of being an or, a son or a daughter. You ready for this? A son or a daughter functions out of love and acceptance. It is so easy for me. Acceptance is not agreement, by the way. I don't have to accept somebody because they believe the same thing. How will they know we are Christians if we just keep on loving people that believe the same thing we believe? They'll know we are Christians by our judgment. Love and acceptance. I love you just like the Father loves you. 
Because that love transforms. Yeah. There was a girl, sorry, I'm, I don't know why I'm going on about this one, but there was a girl that came to our youth in Chicago. I don't normally do this, so please forgive me. If you are offended at me, please forgive me. I'm doing this all in love. But there was a little girl, a young girl. Sorry, she's not little. She's 16. Um, she identifies as being, um, being gay. Um, she's, she came to our youth group. She came to youth while she was in a very serious relationship with a girl. And she came because she heard about the miracles and she wanted to be healed. So she came to church. And everyone knew who she was. Everyone knew her lifestyle because the whole city had gossiped about her. They all knew. I think the, the, the girl was a lot older in, like in college or something like that. I don't know. And um, she came to our meeting and she was like just sitting there observing all the way in the back and God gave me a prophetic word that he wanted to heal her knee I did not know her and guess what God did healed her knee God didn't only heal her knee he made sure that every other person that judged her got to watch as he showed her his love and his acceptance. She didn't have to be saved to be healed. She didn't have to give her life to Jesus straight after she got healed. She didn't have to change her lifestyle for God to heal her. She went home that night, called her girlfriend up and said, I'm not going to date you anymore. And changed her whole lifestyle with no one preaching or giving her a list of things that she has to do to become a Christian. She changed her lifestyle because of one moment of God's love invading her world. We carry the bread of life. His name is Jesus. A son and a daughter function out of love and acceptance towards others. Number two, a mature daughter or son is committed to the success of his brothers or sisters. <laughs> I am saying this because I want to see Owensboro changed and transformed by you. Yeah, I'm allowed to say this. I don't want to see Owensboro changed and transformed by um, the father's house. I want to see Owensboro changed and transformed by you. Only you can go where you go. Only you have the relationship with the people that you have relationship with. I don't. Praise Jesus. I would be burnt out if I took on that false responsibility. But it's yours. Your job is a gift. It's a gift. When you wake up on Monday morning... You wake up with an opportunity to represent your dad in every single circumstance and situation. <laughs> uh, who's the worst person in your job? Who's the meanest to you? Why don't you make friends with them? I don't know. Maybe God put you there because no one else is willing to say, hey, I love you, bro. Bubba, I love you, Bubba. 
Anyway, number three, a mature son and daughter serves God out of a sense of divine acceptance and favor. I serve him not for his favor. I serve God from his favor. It's a simple mindset shift. I'm not, I cannot earn God's love. It's impossible. If I tried, who has bewitched you that you think you can earn God's love and salvation? Bewitched you. Religion is a demonic principality that divides people groups. It looks exactly the same as religion, racism, and sexism. One demon manifesting in different forms. Anyway, dialogue. Number four, a mature daughter or son walks in the joy and the presence of the Lord and for his, in his comfort. Number five, the Spirit leads the mature son and daughter into his calling and mission. Number six, a mature daughter and son serve people to bless the kingdom. Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve a real leader looks like somebody who will lay down their lives so that the others can succeed. If we had a culture of servant leadership from the back to the front, we will see true transformation in cities and countries. What number was on? Oh, yeah. Number seven, the mature son and daughter attract their children I really feel like God wants to restore sons back to the father and fathers back to the sons. Where there have been children that have run away because they're hurt and offended. Maybe you have run away from your parents because you are so hurt by them. God wants to heal that today. Number 10, the spirit of, uh, the spirit of sonship and daughtership walks in the love. And I said that already. Anyway, freebie. It's so important I said it twice. Number 11, the spirit of daughtership and sonship has their identity grounded in their belonging and their father's affirmation. I don't need the approval or praise of man. I just need to know that my father loves me. The problem, anyway, Nathan, bro, where's Nathan? He was over there. I see now. Nathan, I just see, um, I really feel like God wants to highlight you today um, for your servant leadership and how you don't look for limelight or spotlight, but just how you serve like Jesus. And you do it in so many different areas. There's so many areas in your life where no one knows what you do. Um, and I, I, I can see, I see it like even growing up as a kid, you would like wait for your parents to go to bed so you could clean up the house. So they would not know. Like, I don't know if that makes any sense, but that kind of servant leadership is just so embedded in your identity. And I just really feel like God wants to honor that. Um, honor your leadership because you work from, you work at lifting people up. 
And I feel like there's people in your life, Nathan, that, that God really wants to see a greater level of authority that you step into in those relationships. Like there's this fear, of like I'm a, you're almost afraid to talk about your faith because you're afraid that they'll run away from God even more. And I really feel like God's saying that because of you, your humility and your servant leadership, it's going to be easy for you to open up the door to speak into people's lives. Don't be surprised that people come to you confessing their greatest sins because you are trustworthy of people's hurts their brokenness yeah and I just does that make any sense to you so if we could just reach a hand towards Nathan um, and and, and we're going to pray for him Um, Father God I just thank you for your son God I thank you that you love him so well yeah, Father God, I pray right now for every person that he is in relationship with that needs Jesus God, I thank you for his friendship, evangelism, anointing. Thank you, God, that you're going to empower him and equip him to love the unlovable in ways that are going to transform their lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. I really feel like, um, is, there anyone, is there anyone here today that were in, um, in the army? Like... I don't know how. If you were in the army, could I ask you to stand up? If you feel comfortable with that. If there's one, two, three. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate you. Thank you so much. No, keep standing. I'm not done. <laughs> God really wants to honor you today. I really feel like God say, well, I want to say thank you so much for fighting for this nation. I am so sorry. Come on. Um, I'm so sorry that um, what, when you came back, it was like, what am I fighting for? Like, does that make any sense to you guys? Like, was it really worth it? Um, and I really feel like Jesus saying, thank you so much. There's a revelation that you carry of um, advancing the kingdom of God that most people don't have because you know how to obey orders instantly. And I really feel like there's no price too high that you won't obey God's voice. Um, I really feel this might not be for all of you. It might be for individual, but I really feel like God wants to heal you from post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and I, like, I, like there's just something that's going to break today um, where it has almost affected your relationships around you. If this is not making sense to you, don't worry about it. But I really feel like God wants to come. And the Father heart of God, He wants you to know Him as your sergeant. He also wants you to know Him as your Father. Um, and there's this fresh revelation that he's breathing on you. So if we could, if you guys are okay, if anyone's standing next to you, just put your hand. Uh, what's your name, sir? Ben. Ben, ben I, <laughs> I've got your name written down next. <laughs> ben, I really feel like God is saying, do you know what Benjamin means? What does it mean again? Something about a son. It's really good. Go look, at, go look it up. Benjamin, Benjamin, come on. I know this song. Anyway, I really feel like there's something on sonship on your life. And there's, a, there's an invitation to being a son like, like never before. Like there's something about, and I don't mean to dishonor anyone when I say this, but there's something about God redeeming, fathering to you. He wants to show you what a true father looks like. Maybe it's from your past experience where you haven't really experienced a good dad. Maybe there's some hurts that he wants to come and heal. But he says, my son, there's nothing you can do that could make him love you less. 
absolutely nothing. There's nothing you have done that could make him love you less. And I really want to honor you, Ben, and say, well done. Well done. You live, the lifestyle you live right now is because God was fathering you. The integrity you walk in. Um, and I really feel like um, there's this, this um, uh, like a rescuing, like he wants to come and rescue you, but he also wants to use you to go into the dark places and rescue children. And I, I had something so strong about that. Like, I don't know where, you, did, you, did you serve out of the country? Where did you go to? Yeah. Because I, I, like I, saw, I saw this picture of you um, being surrounded by little African children um, with their flies in the face and um, their bright eyes and their big smiles. Um, and I really feel like God's saying, like, uh, I, I might get this wrong, so please forgive me. But if there, is, um, if there, is a, there was like a child that you got really close to while you were there, um, if that makes any sense to you, I don't want to go on and I forgot it wrong. Bond. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Come on. Thanks, Ben. Come on. I really feel like the reason why I'm saying this is because I really feel like God's saying, just like you did that, He wants you to do more. Um, and like, so I don't exactly know what it is, but you, you, you know what I'm saying. So Father God, right now, thank you for Ben. God, I pray right now that you'll just awaken the shepherd inside of his heart, that you'll use him to shepherd people in the name of Jesus Christ, that he'll see the broken, the lost and the rejected, and he'll go after them with, tenacious, with a tenacious zeal to get them saved. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for the influence Ben has on... Um, uh, people that were in the army, what's it called? Post-pats. God, I pray right now that you'll just give him an authority to speak into people's lives, um, a strategy to see men healed from PTSD in the name of Jesus Christ. And if you're standing next to somebody that's standing, just put your hand on them and say healing in the name of Jesus Christ. If they have any form of PTSD right now in the name of Jesus Christ, we speak healing, 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 healing. We say thank you for the sacrifice sacrifice that you have made and healing in the name of Jesus Christ. That PTSD won't affect you. You won't, get, you won't get startled when you hear a loud sound. You won't feel like somebody's trying to sneak into your door. You won't be on defense mode anymore because your father is protecting you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we declare that. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I've got, I've got three more things I want to highlight and then I'm going to go on to a time of ministry if you're okay. Is there anyone here today with pain in their left shoulder blade? Anyone? It's okay if I get it wrong. If that's you, just throw up your hand. Or pain in your upper back. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. If, if that's you, can you stand? Yeah, please stand wherever you're at. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, he never embarrasses you when you step out in faith. (laughs) 
um, I'm going to ask the people around you just to put, if you feel comfortable with it, um, if they could put your ha their hand on your shoulder, if that's okay. Um, just put your hand on the person's shoulder. The left shoulder blade, particularly. Ma'am, it's your left shoulder. Ma'am, your left shoulder. Guys, your left shoulder. <laughs> the right over there. You see, I had to do the whole funny, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, let's just, everyone put your hand out towards them and say, be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now test it out. Do something that caused you pain. Move it around. And as soon as you start feeling something, just let me know. Hey, come on, Jesus. There we go. God is my anchor. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Test it out. Praise God. Guys, God just healed somebody today. Hallelujah. How are you guys feeling? Can you feel a difference? Or you'll feel it later? Pardon? A little bit more relaxed. Come on. More, Lord. Amen. And you, ma'am? How are you feeling? A little bit better? Healing in the name of Jesus. If you weren't healed, I would love to pray for you personally. So healing in the name of Jesus. And sir, how's your shoulder feeling? Yours are back. Were you involved in a car accident? Thank you. Jeez, well, thank you, Jesus, that you're going to heal. Do you, do you have post-PTSD whenever you drive? Sometimes you get a fright. You were a passenger. We've got a new worship leader, guys. They are highly anointed. In the name of Jesus, yes, sir. I just prophesy. Thank you, mommy. Oh, I don't mind. I'm from Africa. <laughs> this is a luxury. It actually makes me feel more at home, by the way. Because <laughs> my kids would be running on the stage too. <laughs> but yeah, I really feel like God wants to heal you of any, um, any trauma that you experienced from that accident in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, something about your cue... You're cued like 12 or 20, 21, something like that. Your vertebra. Which one is it? The sciatic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Healing in the name of Jesus Christ. Healing. No more sleepless nights because of pain. In the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah, that you can mow your lawn without complaining about pain. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. And then, um, I, re I feel like God wants to heal people that suffer from headaches or migraines. I don't know if I say it wrong. Um, but particularly reoccurring headaches from high blood pressure. I don't even know if this is a thing. But if there's anyone like that, if you could stand for us. Anyone with high blood pressure or headaches or migraines? No one? Awesome. Praise Jesus. That's a good thing not to have. Um, and I really feel like Jesus wants to heal people today of anxiety attacks. If there's anyone here and you are brave enough um, to stand, we would love to pray for healing from anxiety attacks and anxiety. If that's you, you can just stand for us. If you're brave enough. If you're not... Thank you, ma'am. That is incredible. Well done. If there's anyone else, thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Can we just give them a round of applause? Because this is very brave. If there's, 
there's anyone else and you are still, you feel your heart pounding in your chest to just respond to this, please do. If not, please come here. I would love to pray for you afterwards. But if we can reach our hands out to the people and if they're comfortable, if you could if, if, ask their permission, if you can put your hand on them. Um, yeah, we're just going to pray. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we command anxiety to be silenced in the name of Jesus Christ. If you're receiving prayer, just receive it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to pray. Just encounter the love of the Father. Anxiety, go in the name of Jesus Christ. And go in the name of Jesus Christ. You are powerful. You are strong. You are confident. God, I pray right now healing from any um, wounds from mother figures in the name of Jesus Christ. Just healing in the name of Jesus. Healing in the name of Jesus. God, I pray right now that the fear of failure will just be lifted in the name of Jesus Christ. God, I pray for the relationships that cause you anxiety to be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Where you feel anxious to bring healing into relationships because you feel like you don't have the right tools or the words to say, I release healing in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Amen. Yeah. I'm going to pray for us if that's okay. Ah, Mike and Maddie, if you guys can stand. And could I have, could I ask some of the leaders just to come and stand next to Mike and Maddie if that's okay? If you're a leader in the church, come and gather around them. <laughs> there we go. There is a Bible verse in Amos, Amos, 1, Amos 9 verse 13, and it says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, <laughs> when the reaper will be overtaken by the plower and the planter by the, the treading of grapes. A new wine will drip from the mountains and flow from the hills. And I really declare over you guys that you've, gone in a, you've been in a season where you've been sowing seeds into the city. And I really feel like now is the time where you're going to be reaping. In fact, as you sow, the reaper will be going in front of you, reaping the seeds that you have not sown yet. There's just this, this, there's this flow where it's been like you've been working so hard and yes, says God that you will reap the harvest of what you have been sowing and you'll, he'll go in front of you. And Father God, right now we pray that you'll send out your workers to help them with the harvest because the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. And right now, Father God, I pray for workers to come alongside to catch the vision of the house, to see city transformation, generations saved, families restored. Father God, I thank you that they carry the Father's heart, that they can take what is broken and bring restoration and life back into it. Father God, I thank you for the faithfulness that they carry to what you have told them to do. Holy Spirit, I pray that you equip them 
and their team to see kingdom salvation. Lives transformed in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Father God, I thank you. I thank you, God, for your son and your daughter. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. I bless you guys. Sky. I want to honor this man. <laughs> Him and Brenna served with us in South Africa for a few weeks, through a few months. He's being daddy right now, hero. Um, and, bro, you've got such an amazing heart after God. I really want to honor that. Thank you for your yes to Jesus. Thank you for your yes to Father God. And like while I was spending time with you yesterday, I really feel like <laughs> Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And that word shepherd um, in Hebrew translates to my best friend. And I really feel like Jesus wants to be your best friend. Yeah, you are a good friend, Scott. You're faithful, long-suffering, kind, did I say faithful? Yeah. So yeah, if we can just reach our hands out to this guy. I love this man so much. We've seen God do some amazing things, buddy. <laughs> so Father, I just thank you for Sky. <laughs> God, thank you for the testimony he carries. Thank you, God, that you have not forgotten him or forsaken him. That you are with him. God, I thank you for the calling that you have on their lives, their families' lives. Thank you for the broken that you have called them to love. God, we, I bless you, Sky, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being patient. Thank you for staying a little bit longer. Um, I would love to pray for you um, after the service if you need prayer or healing in your body. Bless you guys. Amen.